Chords podcast is back. Almost like we never left. We didn't. You guys have been locked in my house while I was in New Orleans for two weeks. I knew something was different about this week. Maybe it was that drug. Maybe it was those drugs you gave me. Yeah, that Could was be. it. Yeah. Could be. Um, we're back again with our monthly guest episode, and this week we have a returning guest. But you might not recognize her by her name, but we'll get into that. Welcome back, Rachel Shank. Hi, guys. One What's half up? of Afterbirth Monkey, of yeah, course. Yeah, formerly Charles Stunning. Formerly. Now. Afterbirth Monkey, episode 95, episode 95, Afterbirth Monkey. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of fumbled the end. We rated Katy Perry. Yeah, we hard. did. We talked about her. We did. I'm bringing your, all the girls all the time. All the girls all the time. With your buddy Mark yes. from Afterbirth Monkey. Um, welcome back to the show. We're so Good happy to have you. Good to be back, guys. I First of all, you. are you over your Stockholm Syndrome from that episode? Oh, that's uh, that was That was much discussed. Um, Honestly, no. I <laughs> oh, still wow. think Katy Perry Twitch Twitch. Wow. <laughs> Twitch. Love her. That's like I a love year her plus. so much, Twitch. We've damaged her. <laughs> yeah, permanently. permanently damaged. Well. I can't wait to feel this way about this band. What can our guests expect from Crash Course? So, um, we're happy to have you back, and I actually want to chat a bit about what you've been working on, because I know you've been working on some big stuff since last time we spoke. Oh, yeah. I'm doing some weird things all on my own now. So, I know the first big one is uh, something that I'm excited about, because I would seen the trailer for, which is The Restaurant, which is being directed by um, um, Eric Ford, and yes. you are in that movie, I along am. with your bandmate, Mark. Yes, we are actors. Actors. Acting. Scum of the earth actors in a horror comedy Oh, about well then shouldn't it be actors? Actors! Actors! Acting! Acting! Uh, funny mm. story, I have to leave this podcast to do an overnight shoot at the restaurant. So tell uh, the audience a little bit about the restaurant. Uh, the restaurant is a a horror comedy about uh, a restaurant. Obviously. In which the manager is killing its patrons and sacrificing them to a demon in the basement in order to stay popular and, and well-funded. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of like, did you ever read that book, John Dies at the End, or see the movie John Dies at the End? Very, like, B-movie, irreverent, a lot of stoner humor, uh, really, really cute. I'd, I'd say it's adorable. It does not pass the <laughs> We Bechtel. would have answered by now if we knew yeah. it. Yes. It uh, would not pass the Bechtel test, though, I noticed the other day. I was uh, like, mm, Guys, oh, well. that's that's the meanest thing I can say about this movie. <laughs> it's a lot of boys and um, being stoned. Who do you play in the movie? I play a waitress named Cassie. Cassie, who's pretty much just an angrier version of me, who <laughs> smokes a lot of weed. All right. Yeah. Um, and then besides that, of course, you've been working on a new album with Afterbirth Monkey. Yes, I have. We're currently in the beginning stages of getting a live album together. Awesome. Yes. Um, we're we're talking with different venues and and figuring out like how we want to do it, uh, but it'll be really interesting to get that live album because I think Afterbirth Monkey's definitely a band that 
benefits from having an audience response, you know, very similar to the way comedians record their albums live. Yeah, I noticed actually on your website you have a separate category for bookings, which is not something I see on every artist's uh, band site. Normally mm -hmm. it's like, well, we do gigs and we'll do them when we want to, but yes. you're more, you know, if you want us, then we'll go to your place. Yes, we totally we totally live in the, in the realm of the way comedians sort of pimp themselves out. We're like, yeah, gotcha. we'll do your show, whatever, we're in. Yeah. Do we get drink tickets? Cool. <laughs> Considering it's, not... it's a very specific style of comedy, I think it's good to do it the other way around. It, yes. It, but it's it's not pimping, it's just being proactive about it. Mm -hmm. It's right. it's why we have so many gigs all the time. Like right now we're not gigging so much because again, this film shoot is taking up the majority of our sleep. Mm -hmm. And we like to be well fed, well slept after Birth Monkey and not sleepy angry after Birth Monkey. Cause I'm sure that has its perks though. It does. Uh, generally, if I'm very angry, I'm more inclined to flash my breasts at the audience. So I also feel like <laughs> belligerence would be a natural step for after Birth Monkey. Yeah, we're just <laughs> at any point. Yeah, no. Well, I would agree that fine. you guys definitely have a, a live energy that, yeah. that that comes up. I mean, there are a couple of recorded live like short skit tracks on the first album, Amanda is defecating. Yes, and you can sort of tell the the different energy when you have, when we're having that symbiotic relationship with an audience, mm -hmm. you know. Um, also, since the last time you were on the show, of course, I have been uh, featured in a music video of yours. Yes! With, uh, with Afterbirth Monkey, and that's yes. It's Raining Dicks. Yes. Um, which was a lot of fun. Um, well, I... I had meant to ask then, and I don't know that I ever did, what made you guys decide to do a video for that song specifically? Well, uh, Eric Ford, mm -hmm. uh, the director of that, uh, really liked that song, and it was it was the most hashed out storyline we've come up with. Like, a lot of our other songs were like, well, what if we did this with this particular song? What if it was like that? And that one was just, like, already ready to be filmed. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't because of its biting social commentary? Um, no, okay. it wasn't. Uh, because it's so full of social drama right there that people want to have sex with musicians. How dare we? Um, it's weird. Yeah, no, it was just the easiest and the most simple, but the most interesting to, to play with, to be like, what would it be like if you were living in a dick apocalypse? Well, right, and I got to play a penis zombie. Yeah, almost of, unrecognizable yeah. in that video because I had long hair and a beard. But yeah, I was. Yeah. I can add to my resume. All things considered, it would make an animator have a real fun time. Sure, yeah. and kind of make them go back to junior high and relive that a little bit. Yeah, the but, reasons why they became animators but, after all, drawing dicks. But but that's not the sort of thing that really that that's going to get flagged on YouTube. Let's just be right. Up. <laughs> I mean, you really go the distance of that animation. It's going to get flagged on YouTube. Oh, YouTube doesn't know what it wants or doesn't want. <laughs> That's also a fair point. <laughs> YouTube, you, YouTube, stop being so fickle. Um, so what else have you been working on besides Afterbirth Monkey? I know that when we last spoke, you were dabbling with the idea of doing some solo music as well. Yes. Um, there was a, a moment where we were unsure about the future of Afterbirth Monkey uh, for logistic reasons. Uh, there was maybe going to be a location change for, for Mark. But since that's not happening, it's definitely, ooh, let's really push Afterbirth Monkey. But I do want to start, if anyone out there in in the internet land, I'm looking right at you, microphone, and all of the internet. I love the green light. Um, <laughs> would would be interested. I am starting a solo project. I uh, would like to front my own band, uh, definitely. Uh, I had a really funny idea for this. It's uh, it's the idea of like all of my my 
my mins in the band would be would be humans that I have had had sex with. Mm. Uh, so I wanted to call it Rachel and the Eskimo Brothers, but <laughs> <laughs> considering no, I no, that still... just makes it sounds like you you've kissed. <laughs> yeah, oh, Eskimo kiss. No, but then I know. Uh, I think it would be really really funny, but logistically thinking about. I haven't slept with a lot of guitarists who have a lot of free time, so <laughs> I don't re- I don't really want to make it like a casting couch situation to be in the band. But it was a funny idea. But I but yes, something anyone, became much weirder. You looking yeah, at the mic? Yeah, if anyone is interested, I I've written some weird songs. I'd love to get them made that that don't talk about dicks and. So you're looking for a guitarist or for other songwriters? Yeah, 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 anybody, anybody, yeah. Oh, cool. I also want to learn to play the accordion, but that's just that's an, oh, that's me too. an, an entirely different story. I feel story. like I feel like that was a step for a piano player wanting to actually have a portable instrument. <laughs> I, I actually regret my dad knew learned how to play the accordion when he was younger and had one while I was a child, but since has gotten rid of it because it stopped working. But I wish I knew that when I was a kid. I totally would have pursued playing the accordion. I actually know a lot of uh, kids who, whose fathers or grandfathers have accordions because in the Staten Island, Brooklyn area, you have all those old Italian men. And of course, yeah. they love their accordions. They so they always do. have this old one from like 1907 just sitting up in the attic. I'm like, that's a sin to waste. I agree. It's a sin to waste. I, 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 thought that <laughs> I, I didn't know if you had a transition <laughs> or not. That's why I paused. Um, I was having a moment. And also, um, I know that you've been mulling over ideas of other kinds of shows you've been wanting to work on and, and, and other kinds of things. Oh, yes. Uh, I am pursuing a newfound career in late night television hosting. I am going to start producing my own late night style show. Uh, in the near future, it's a project that I'm working on. Uh, working title is Nightcap with Rachel Shank. So that's interesting. Yeah, I I just realized that there's a lot of male voices in the world of late night, and albeit it's not anything that's going to network or anything like that, it's really just going to be me in a venue. That's true. With I an can't audience. think of a single then, female late night yeah, host. Yeah, then then I streaming it on that. YouTube later. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. It'll probably come end of next year. Well, at you best. Don't forget that with the new setup on YouTube, you can still stream it on YouTube itself. Yes, it's that is it's an option. It's very, very friendly nowadays, yes. streaming on YouTube. It's true. But the thing is, like, I figure working with a, a particular venue, they're going to want me to take over a less prime time spot, especially since it's essentially going to be an interview show. Do you have yeah. any networks you have your eye on? Um, no, because I'm mad at all of them for being such a boys club. Uh. I'm going to be my own network. With blackjack and hookers. Oh boy! Thanks, Bender. Um, <laughs> well, if you want three snarky podcast hosts as a guest sometime, will always take three snarky podcast hosts. So we would love to guest on your show when yes. it comes into being you as know, an existence. Symbiosis. Right. I'm. I'm not. Day. I'm not snarky. Cue gesture. That's true. You're just an asshole. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right. Well. Synergy. Syn- synergy <laughs> is important. One of those like '80s logos. I've always meant to ask because I, when we were talking with you with Afterbirth Monkey, we kind of talked about the focus of the band and, and yes. where they started and where, where that band came from. But you musically by yourself, where was kind of your start with music? Did you always have an interest in doing comedy music, or did you kind of fall in love with with other kinds of music first and then go into comedy music? Actually, this is a very uh, interesting thing. I realized in hindsight how much I loved comedy music. Uh, when I was when I was growing up, I listened to a lot of Stephen Lynch, um, a lot of Weird Al, and I didn't realize until I started creating comedy music all on my own because I was going to be an actor. That was my plan. 
you know. So I have like that's very, always the plan. Like a, a very strong performance art background. I went to college for it, but all that time I was definitely listening to musicians who who were clever and and were cracking wise while they were while they were making music. And I suddenly realized that, oh, those, those have been my people this whole time. So uh, me being a musician was definitely out of left field, but it feels appropriate now because I've, I've always loved musical and I thought I was going to be in musical theater, but no. <laughs> no. Oh, is that not a thing you no, want for yourself you. No, anymore? thank you, musical theater. I, oh, okay. will, I will pass on you. I can tell you how many times I've heard that. Cases where actors, they want to be actors, so obviously you have to spend a lot, a lot of time on it, and it just gives you just enough time to figure out what else you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. what other ways you want to be creative. Exactly. Well, and I, I like being a musician because I, I do get most of the say on what I'm creating. Yeah, you get a you know? lot more input in the actual art itself. Yeah. And it's definitely been interesting to watch that process being an actor on a film set, to bring it back to the film, where my job is action, say lines, you're done. Like, there's so many other moving parts and so many other pieces that I have no control over, and sometimes it's very interesting for me to, like, render that control and be like, okay, the finished product is like someone else's deal hmm. i'm just here to do this one thing and then go away the next thing i wanted to ask more relating to acting since we're talking about um you acting more now since you're in in this movie mm-hmm. um when you first started acting is there a role that you look back on fondly even though maybe it wasn't the best role or there's a role that was really great that you look back on finally maybe on stage that you really liked when you first started out oh god She's flummoxed. Oh, man. Uh, Oddly enough, I'd have to say it was uh, the character Don John from Much Ado About Nothing, which I was was the understudy for. And then the guy who was going to play Don John ended up taking the role of Dogberry. So I was already off book for this particular role. And so they fitted me with a tunic and like ace bandaged like my boobs. And I played it as a man. So I played it like a like it was just believed I was a man. And it was so fascinating to to play a character as a female, but actually being a male and seeing how that dynamic shifted the action because instead of being large and imposing, I was just really rich. And that's why I did <laughs> Like there was just this really beautiful moment where my two minions like were plotting against the 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 what's her name the hero we're plotting against hero and like her her soldier love I don't remember his name because I don't care anymore <laughs> but there was a moment where I like cut uh, a coin purse from my from my hip and held it in front of them and like their reaction was oh my god we really want this money and I just like dropped it on the floor and I was like oh and these guys were like two heads taller than me too <laughs> they could have kicked my ass but I loved that role because it was so interesting to to think about how to play the opposite gender. You know, instead of just being like, Don John is a female in this. No, Don John is a male that's just happening happening to be played by a female. In fact, that's like on record for some of the more, I think, famous uh, cross, uh, cross-dressing cross roles where you actually have to play another gender or even just someone who's playing another gender. For instance, like yeah. Tony, Curtis, Tony Curtis back in Something Like It Hot or Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie, how much both of those actors learned about acting itself and just from about the characters from having to actually do that transformation. Probably like the best learning experience you can ever get as an actor, I think, is having yeah, to having do that to transition. Yeah, having to play just a completely different gender, but not even playing a different gender who's playing a different gender. Right. Like actually like 
getting on stage and everyone is just established this is a male yeah you know it was it was actually very like reverse shakespeare because all of the female parts yeah. were played by men but it was just like oh that's a woman you know it was it was weird it was really weird it was a nice peter was, pan's probably the best like known ha- other way around yeah, character like a very happy accident i'd say um, so it sounds like there's a fair amount of acting and music playing these days, whereas when we last spoke, it was mostly music and, yeah. and not as much acting. Yeah, it's definitely... I'm getting... I sound really pretentious when I say this. I'm getting back to my roots, I guess. I'm like going Do you find that there. acting informs your music playing and music, being a musician and a comedy musician informs your acting, or do you feel they're kind of just separate? I... I honestly think that anything I'm doing is going to positively influence anything else I'm doing. Uh, As long as it's creating something, you know, if it's taking an improv class, that's going to help with my music career. If I'm if I'm at a burlesque show, that's going to it's going to help my music career. You know, like anything, anything artistic is pushing anything else forward. I think the more that you can learn, the better you'll be as an artist. Probably the worst thing you can do is have a lull where you're not doing anything. Yeah, where it's just like, or you're doing just the one thing. Yeah. You know, I don't think I'll ever be the kind of artist who doubles down on just one thing. You know, I'll always be, I'll always be a comedian who does music or I'll always be a burlesque dancer who does comedy or I'll be an actress who does storytelling. You know, I don't, I think I'll always You do one thing for 10 years and you discover late in life, though, that's all I know how to do, holy crap. And then making transitions are much, much harder the older you get. And I especially think it's really important as a a female in the arts to definitely have a lot of skills. Because I, I know that I'm like, I'm I'm young and attractive right now, but I won't always full of energy. be young. I feel like I'll always be attractive, but I think it'll be good to but always, you won't always have be full of energy. <laughs> different things to fall back on, different options where I can be like, oh, I can I can do this. I can live in the improv scene. You know, there's that. I can live in a theater scene. I can being adaptable is really important to me. Even just for the context too is also very important to yeah. say like, yeah, I've done that other thing, so I can get in it easily at any point when shit hits the fan yeah. in that other thing. And generally, my claim to fame is I'm excellent at being mediocre at lots of things. <laughs> that's that's like a that. good call to arms. Um, well, it's funny. I think like in the 90s and even in the 80s, it was more like unbelievable that an actor also plays an instrument or that an, a, yeah. a musician wants to be an actor. Whereas I feel like now it's very common. If you're in some form of the arts or you're making a thing, you want to make other things too. It's yeah. very rare that people... You can't kind of stay one track anymore with all the access we have to all of the things in the industry. Yeah. I feel like everybody kind of splits their attention. It's how you stay satisfied. I Some people yes. do worry about uh, spreading themselves thin. Sure. That, that's the, the only thing that can happen as a result is you realize, you, well, obviously that, that same fear. Like, it can be a talent. You're being mediocre at everything, but then there's, oh, crap, I'm mediocre at, at everything. everything, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's important to note that you're you're actually putting quality into all of the work you do. It's not like you you're doing... All joking aside, you're doing crappy work and just putting it out there to put it out there. You're actually someone in the indie space who's doing quality work, and yeah. that's important, I think, especially in the indie scene. And that's just the thing. At a certain age, you can feel it's mediocre at everything, and then once you reach a certain age, then you might actually be awesome at everything, and then you're yeah. the true renaissance woman. Yes, um, I'm building the foundations of being a renaissance woman right now. And right I now you're renaissance like, lazy. That's okay. Yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> renaiss- I'm diet renaissance right now. <laughs> renaissance light. Renaissance, yes. <laughs> Uh, and also just the fact that if I find that I'm doing something and I don't feel passionate towards it, it makes me feel comfortable that I can shed that and, and do something else. I think this year with the name change and like accepting that 
doing burlesque wasn't going to be the only thing that I'm going to do uh, really helped with that idea. Like, that was definitely, like, a shedding of something for me. It's important to build the name anyway, so that way people can tie it together. Yeah, like and then the suddenly fact... it's like, oh, she also yeah. does this. We've talked about this regarding, like, artists here uh, that we've reviewed on the podcast who have multiple projects. Like, of course, the one we go back to is Damon Auburn, and how he has all these different projects. He's Blur, he has, he has Gorillas, and then he's also Damon Auburn. And it took a while for us to all make the connection that it is Damon Auburn, and then you start following his career and you follow everything that he does and how it shifts along the way it's not something you might not have been able to do when he was just blur yeah no mm-hmm. of course well because when he was just blur he 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 was still the standout lead singer but he wasn't like blur was the band there you are lots really of bands where i don't know the members by name sure yeah yeah totally um i want to shift gears a bit now and get into the album you brought us yeah, so excellent. you did bring us an album again as did. Uh, we did unfortunately set some rules since the last time you were here yeah. i know you were very upset that we are now not doing the space jam soundtrack yes i wanted to do the space jam soundtrack um but i wanted to give it its due and let you know that it is the first album i ever bought with my own money was the space jam soundtrack uh i just want to recognize that i listened to the space jam soundtrack so much that my mother gave made me give it up for lent like wow. when i was little she wow was like, oh. that's that's an odd choice of lent and it just so happened we also did two other albums you wanted to bring on the show as well. Yes, yeah. yes, you did. Listen, just so you know, I have good taste in music, the internet. I wanted to, first off, I wanted to do They Might Be Giants Glean because they're my spirit animal. <laughs> I realized that we couldn't do that. And I also wanted to do the Decemberist What a Beautiful World, What a Terrible World. Take so it. deal with I mean. that <laughs> as we go into what this album is. My fault, I'm a jerk. So um, I guess tell us... Tell, first, tell us the album you picked, and then a little bit about why you chose this album. Uh, the album I selected was California Nights, which is the latest release from a band called Best Coast. Uh, and the reason I picked it was because I really like the band Best Coast, and I didn't, I didn't, since we couldn't do this Bass Jam soundtrack, I was like, <laughs> well, who's released something recently? That's such a horrible intro. I have really good taste in music, but I guess here's this band. <laughs> but here's this thing. Uh... And my, my relationship with this band has sort of been hot and cold. Like, I really loved their first release more than anything. And then I was kind of a hater on the next couple of releases. So they've sort of been on the back of the back of my mind in terms of like, oh, here's a band that I'm really into. And it just so happens they released this album in May of this year. So it was more just like, oh, well, that's convenient. <laughs> we'll just, let's just do, if we have to do one from 2015, we'll just do this one. We had 2014, too. We, yeah, we allow that. All, all joking aside, though, I mean, that does happen to even us. Like, sometimes we won't know what to pick, and we'll just go, well, who released something, and I know their name. Oh, yeah. that guy. I'll pick and that one. And I always one. have a yeah. difficult time with this, because I'm I'm such an internet music listener that me listening to full albums is not really in my wheelhouse anymore. It's like... I turn on a song that I like, and I'm just like, hey, Pandora, hey, Spotify, find things that are like this. I'm just going to wash my dishes. And then I'm like, oh, this is a great song. Who is this? I don't know. And That's why this uh, can be a good exercise, because it yeah. forces you to, to really spend time and, and analyze works that you otherwise might have just passed by. There are a lot of albums that we've picked where we otherwise probably never would have thought about it in such critical detail. But then you know more coming out of it. So exactly. let's begin. Oh, yes, uh, California, California Nights. Nights. My best coast. <laughs> track one. <laughs> so the tra- first track is called Feeling Okay. And um, 
feeling we're, okay. We're feeling okay. We're feeling okay with this um, track. It's, 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 it's all right. So from the minute <laughs> this song starts, you kind of get this pop surf rock feel. It's got a hollow kind of effect on the guitar as it's playing the intro chords. It's working on the alternating strum style of surf mm-hmm. rock just to get you moving back and forth, back and forth. Something's been around even before, you know, Beach Boys and everything like that. In a way, I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't so inclined to throw this song so much back to the '60s. I felt like it was just modern indie rock, 101, which, as we've discussed, indie tends to borrow little things here and there. I just kind of put it as indie rock with a little hint of alt. Well, it was, it, to my ear, it did stay very surf until the chorus. The chorus definitely had uh, a more um, recent leanings than the verses were going for. I think it was more just the reverb like on that, uh, the little echo on that uh, that that signature guitar motif that kept repeating throughout almost the whole entire song, which mm-hmm. I kind of liked. It also had this dash of post-rock to it. It holds down a tone of, tone of like slight wariness, I think. Um, but it does do the same thing over and over. But I just, I, I like the, the overall tone that it sets for the track. Just a little bit of ambiguity on top of a track that is titled Feeling Okay, so you feel like it's, all right, this is going to be very uh, keen and uplifting, but there is that little thing in the background which you're kind of waiting for. Like, that title isn't entirely truthful, is it? Well, the bass does a great job of foreshadowing that in the song, though it doesn't really seem to come to fruition over the course of the song itself. Yeah. The bass... I don't know how else to put it, but I like it. I just enjoy it. It's a great bass line without being overly complicated. It it fits what it's doing, and I guess, for me, that might be the most modern element all said and done. It was pretty regular, though, like maybe almost to a punkish fault but yes. I, but I, I I enjoyed it I wasn't you know it's 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 an opening track it's it has the single air to it I think the 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 key thing that we should all probably note about this track that is very defining is the vocalist the vocalist is pretty unique has kind of a flat delivery uh it's a she and it 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 reminded me a lot of Paul Banks like as if Paul Banks was a woman here because Paul Banks is from Interpol and he has this very flat delivery in a lot of Interpol going back to like 2002, 2004. Um, it's what he was known for in indie rock, just kind of singing very, very flat, but yet you somehow feel emotion in this. And I was getting the same exact vibe here, but on the female end. So that was kind of nice to see just for the, the, the twist, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, there's not too much to compare to Interpol at this point. Yeah, just I the vocalist. A lot of a lot of the criticism and a lot of the... The praise are sort of on that on that level where some some argue that Bethany, the, the lead singer, mm-hmm. is too simplistic, you know, in her delivery and her her vocal stylings. But and Paul also, Banks had the same critique. Yeah, and so. there's but there's also a, an earnest quality, you know, whenever she's actually connected with the the lyrics she's singing. There's there's that. It's almost so, like she's in a trance sometimes. Like she's yeah. just like in a daze by her own musings. And yeah. They just need to get out. She just hit. She took a really good bong hit and then <laughs> and then recorded this track. Well, you can look at the chorus. Today I know I feel okay. Baby, look at me with those eyes of gray. But I'll keep trying to stay this way. I know it's love that's got me feeling okay. There's really no commitment in this course. There's Not no, at all. No. There's no heavy I'll investment. I'll keep trying here. to stay this way. Like every day is a chore. I, I mean, the, for love, yeah. that's that's harsh. Emotionally, the song sort of comes across sweet, just in the style and the instrumentation. Vocally, a little less so. But I mean, it's it's an honest track. It's not trying to be anything more than what it is. The the, the title itself, feeling okay, it's just kind of oh, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling yeah. okay. Very yeah. Eh, the kind most, of a thing. The most exciting part is. Really 
really in the the post-chorus area where the guitar gets a little bit choppier as, as with the chords and a little and, bit a little bit denser, yeah, uh, a little and, bit deeper. There's almost like a grungy chord to it. But only I I noticed that it only lasts for about two measures before it kind of releases and it returns to the more light airy stuff of previous. So it you know only in fleeting doses. I think does it's it foreshadowing down. a little bit that 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 little kind of dark tone is hinting at the fact that maybe this per the narrative is not okay and that it will change, which it does as it's, we go through the track. It's just mm -hmm. ambiguously okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you ask someone who's not having a good day and they don't really want to talk about it and like, so oh, how I'm are fine. you? I'm okay. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm you know, I, feel, okay. I feel okay. <laughs> Please, let's not talk about it anymore. Speaking of fine, next track, Fine Without You. Fine Without You. This song is the most best coast formula song of the whole album like if you go through their entire discography they sort of have this very simple musicality simple lyrics and this of all of the tracks on this newest album is sort of the most falling into that simplicity i think it's well, a simplicity but I, I kind of liked it a little bit more maybe than the opening track i thought it was somewhat more uplifting but i liked it for the reasons that i could compare it to uh, a band that I think is certifiably unlifting, uplifting, and it adds that air of of uh, slight misery in the background. Then that's Paramore. Sure. Um, I yes. started seeing the Paramore comparisons here, which well, actually Interpol is also kind of the same thing. They're a band which actually they're more misery than uplifting, so I won't even say that. But yeah. Parapole. What's called that? Parapole. That's what we got going on here. No, I can totally hear that. I mean, the way she sings, too, you can kind of... Like, her vocals have a little more of an edge here, and also the song has a little bit more of an edge here. It's not much faster, but it definitely has a little more of an edge in the intro track. Well, you're getting a little more punk in the in the actual drum work, a little more complexity there, but it's a very safe complexity. It's it's staying very steady throughout the song. The, the vocal work, that edge comes in with the doubling, but I did not enjoy that doubling in this case. It feels like it kind of watered down her vocals a little bit. Well, there's a there's times where, I think owing to some of that flat delivery, uh, it feels like she's almost hardly in key. Like, just barely. Like, because she's singing so matter-of-fact, like, it, it's not, there's that imperfection to it. Um, but it, it reminds me of that ever so slightly diluted and emo brand of indie rock. Mm -hmm. um, sure. Like, you are diluted by what you're writing, in, in a sense. And there's just an inherent sarcasm in every single line. Really, really are you fine without you? I don't believe her at this yes. point. Yes. It, it does have a little bit of a cliche feel. I mean, it's, I, I, I wouldn't say cliche. It's definitely familiar, though. I feel like this mm -hmm. song, and me, me and John were throwing, John kept throwing around Bowling for Soup, and I think it's because... I could this, throw that on a lot of this album, well, yeah. yeah. Mostly because they do fit neatly into pop rock or, or kind of pop punk. Pop punk-ish. Punk yeah. yeah. We're going mean, to call them pop punk-ish. Ish, yeah. But, but they definitely, like, also... The chords feel kind of lighthearted, even if the lyrics don't always feel lighthearted. Yes, and, and that's, that's, that, get, and that's something definitely I get a very of. like best coast style, where it's the music feels uplifting, but the lyrics themselves are very dark. Um, even if they are simple, they're very. But again, I'm drawing from an entire discography over here. We'll take um, this example. But I just feel like this song sounds like another song by Best Coast that I like more. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so good. That's way a good endorsement. It. But take this example of the bridge here, because I really, I, I see there's some darkness in here. Sometimes I feel like I've been living a lie. I always try, but it was always never enough. I got so tough out there with you, and now I pace alone in my room, wondering how to be fine without you. Mm -hmm. And I really like the way she sings this. Everything is just a little bit slower, like she's a little bit 
more deluded into it. Then you listen to the Lord's there. I, now I pace alone in my room, wondering how to be fine without you. She's in a state of, she can't help herself at this point, so she might as well just sing about it, but it, it, she doesn't have the passion behind it. She's in a state of overcoming. Mm-hmm. And musically, also, the drums here, I feel like, um, kind of add to that kind of feel because they yeah, are also punk. kind of repetitive and it's the do, 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 do. Although I have the rhythm probably completely off, but no, it's that do, kind do, of pattern. Do, 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 do. There you, you, go. you had it reversed. I it had it flipped. Reversed. There you it's go. Okay. But, but that, that, that drum beat, like I said, it does, it, it's doing a little bit of work of grittying it up. Yeah, a little bit. It's just the repetitiveness kind of gives to the emotional that Steve was mentioning earlier, too. And even yeah. further in the chorus, there's the echo effect, or that reverb effect on her vocals have a tendency that's, to make yeah. her feel as if she's, like, at arm's length. You, you can't yeah, really... Yeah, that's my issue. It's, that's it's, my biggest issue. It's a issue fuzzy background thing, but I, I do believe it's it's somewhat intentional, but it is really hard to get invested in something that you don't feel there's much investment in, and maybe that's the... That's the little snag at this point in the album. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel as endearing as the first track felt. I feel. Yeah, like. I think the I think the first track. I always like to to think on a level of like what studios want you to produce, and it's like, is this a quota song? Is that what this is? <laughs> you mean, know, it, like, it, is it is it an artistic endeavor, or is it just like, well, I know well, how do to that do thing, this. Do that thing, but you did back in yeah, 2009. Yeah, we really yeah. liked, we, we really liked of, that a lot of one numbers song. On that. Can you write another song that's like that song for this album? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's weird to think on that level, it's like music being a business when talking about albums but i always think about that yeah sure especially and with songs like this something well, we something we think about every week but <laughs> but i do believe there's them you could approach this song from both of those angles mm-hmm. i i do think they could come from the same earnest place i think the same critiques could be said of the first track really it depends on on how you approach this i was maybe even a little bit more accepting of this track i th- I, I think I it felt like the very natural uh, singing style coming from somewhat of an immature place as maybe we got back in Ohio uh, Daryl's Ohio back in episode 114 that's I, I think I'm a okay I'm totally on board with that because feeling okay was going for the ambiguity here feels a little more concrete I think that's really yeah. where it, it's it's dividing for me. Yeah, but I see the opposite point of view. Like absolutely, I think it, I think it's splitting hairs at this point in the album. Uh, let's try uh, track three, "Heaven Sent." Let's see if it is. I like this song. <laughs> so "Heaven Sent" from the, the start kind of has this pop punk vibe that we were talking about, but a little more nice. heavier on the punk. I'd even it's, it's, I'd even hammer why? home like a new wave kind of feel. It sure. really reminded me of Cargo by Men at Work. I mean, I can like, hear that, but also there's I mean there's a little bit of punk in. In, in, in New Wave and a little New Wave and Punk. I mean, like, those things kind of, I feel like... It's, again, owing to the excessive reverb here. Yeah. This time, particularly yes. more on the guitars than on, on, on her vocals. I wanted it. I wanted that throughout the song, and it didn't happen, and I was disappointed. After it was the just in the intro. Seconds. You're right. Yeah, and that was... But vocally, I like that she's kind of got more attitude in the song. Already, I'm more engaged because the, mm. the emotion of the singer is drawing me in. Yeah. The four count here, the, the, the pop punk four count they're going for suits the vocals and the lyrical work so much better here than I think it did in the previous track. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more forceful. It's a lot more present as an entity. So when we get to the part of Heaven Sent and the siren call she does in Heaven Sent, mm-hmm. it's, since it's elongated, since it's much, much more... Across the the actual sound across of the, the measure, song, across the measures, it's it, it, so it much feels more like beautiful. She hasn't taken that much time, I think, maybe on on a just a, a plain two word chorus. I think you know up to this point, it, it, there's some power in that. Yeah. 
drags it's, it out. It's the full just inflection. This is something that probably is is really just missing up until this point. Inflection starts becoming a tool that she's using with her words, and by you know taking heaven and you know making it five or six syllables as you go up and down along it, sent making it a couple extra syllables so you can go up and down on it. It's so much more impactful, and it was really enjoyable, and this is when I start actually loving her voice. Mm -hmm. But I do want to go back to your earliest critique, because I do think that was a hard, that was a hard thing for me to avoid, and that was uh, the, you know, the, the, the tendency to just put everything in four. Everything feels looped in its own way. There was, it, it really didn't break from this rhythmic structure until maybe one moment. In the bridge here, uh, you are the one that I adore, the one the one that I adore. And at this point, the drums start breaking it up a little bit. We feel like there's just a little bit more air in the song, and they infuse that there, and then, we, of course, we, we go back to the to the hook. But, but I yeah. feel like but, in that drum breakdown era, you get the kind of playfulness of the guitar that you hadn't really heard before. You get a little bit of a guitar solo that kind of fills out that piece that kind of shows more character to the song. And another little thing that we get towards the end, which I was very appreciative of, was the finger slide. That was something... No, when it happens, when you mean when a slide, you, <laughs> one would do well, that with your well, finger. Yeah, it's I'm, a slide. I'm saying on the guitar as it's going up and down, and you're getting that feedback sound. It's it it concretes. It it goes from this siren call to an actual like person singing at that point because mm -hmm. the backup is no longer promoting uh, uh, just just a voice. It's actually promoting the character in this case, and it doesn't stay as prevalent as the outro like could have gone it didn't doesn't become like the focal point but it stays there enough to really leave me on a very positive note with this song well but there's also the fact that the that the uh the very end kind of like it ramps it up in in such a fashion that that when they finally do fade it out at the end it was a little bit of an odd move for, it just yes. seemed yeah. weird to ramp it up so high and put so much energy and kind of not clutter but at least a, it was very cacophonous but in a good way it was building up and making this noise and then they didn't do anything with it they just didn't end they didn't hit like a dramatic stop they well, faded it out I guess it's out. one of those things like one wonders what you could have done to it like yeah. well if, if you're going to build up that much they don't want to take it down and dismantle it they piece by piece it. Yeah. yeah so uh, maybe I'll, I'll play devil's advocate on that point and yeah. say that's not the worst thing in the world. I, I definitely think that this song is just very fun and very solid. I wrote on my notes, I was like, karaoke standard, because honestly, <laughs> if I were going to take any of these songs off the album to a karaoke night, it would be this song. Because it is fun, and it's accessible, and it tells, it tells like a very good story lyrically. You know, this is just... I think that you're heaven sent, and I think that's just, I think that sentiment's lovely, and I think it comes from a place that she really believes in. Yeah, and that's why it's it's definitely on the top end of my list of the songs that I enjoy. Also, I really appreciate that on AZ lyrics, all of the lyrics fit on just one page. There's no scrolling. There's just something <laughs> so lovely and simplistic about that, where it's like, this song is so easy to get stuck in your head, but also so simple. Yes. It's, it's definitely they like that. They planned that. They it's talked with A to Z. They said, how, how big is your page? <laughs> yeah, like, let's just fit that. Um, but no, it's definitely, it's definitely the perfect combination of her simplistic lyric writing, but with her earnest lyric writing. I think it's just a very quintessential formula for her. No, this track and, and others in this early part of the album are nothing if not concise. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mm -hmm. think that's a, a good thing for them to be. I feel like with songs like this, if you're going to, you know, have this kind of structure and style, keeping it concise keeps people invested. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it, well, 
some people are, are have ADD, so then it's like, all right, well, one thought, one theme, I got gotcha. you. All right. Right. Um, and from that, we go on to In My Eyes, track four. Ah, an alone phone song. <laughs> alone phone song. Oh, what's an alone phone song, Rachel? Uh, Bethany, the, the lead singer of this band, has a tendency to rhyme alone with phone a lot. A lot? Yeah. Uh, very, very often she will do this. <laughs> but it comes up later. She does do Alone and Home. Oh, she did, yeah. But the it, thing is, she does that earlier in her discography, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, she, in fact, she in the has later a, song. She really, she really likes phones and being home alone. <laughs> so she sings about it a lot. Apparently. Well, this is a track where I felt kind of a split between the music and the lyrics, personally. I felt like the music was coming from someplace that was uh, it was stronger. It felt more indie rock, but more of a 90s brand of it. But her vocals, especially, made every phrase sound like she was singing in the in the style of uh, the Cranberries vocalist, whose name escapes me right now. But Me like, as well, but yeah. The way in which she changes pitch, you know, in a very sudden fashion, which was, I think, helped by that Irish accent um, in the case of Cranberries. Well, the, sty- the style of this song is not too foreign from what Cranberries did in the 90s. So, you know, because they had faster songs, slower songs, you know, more indie rock songs, although at the time they wouldn't have called it indie. It probably would have just been rock. Well, yeah. But, but... It, so I can see that comparison. But it was completely. a nice, it was a nice musical style, and again, it's just something about the chords, it's something about the dissonance throughout this entire track that I really, really liked. I was not able to get away from some of these lyrics, though. Like, I don't know, I sit around, I watch TV, you ignore me. It was just very, it's very nonchalant. Uh, it's yeah. N- but here's the thing: that works for songs like "Day in the Life" because that's how it is. That's, well, it's that's a song like, about a day in the life. But what I'm saying is, from that point of view, it's being attacked as sort of larger-than-life life. Here, <laughs> it's just life-life. Mm-hmm. There's no largeness to it. Say life the, one more time. Life. Oh, it's all funny now. The surf rock <laughs> guitar plucky sway is, is just too full force here to really give it that ethereal kind of a feeling, to give it that... That, that life. That life-life. Uh, that, that dreamscape that a day-in-the-life type of songs usually go for. Here, it's concrete. Even as the chorus has that odd shift, well, not really odd, but unusual shift halfway through and becomes, I call it doo though Steve says that's wrong, and, and really starts to sway heavy, it fits, but it's, it's still even more concrete in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I see what, what Rachel's saying, at least about the lyrics and Steve. It's just, it's got that... It just seems so matter-of-fact, and it's like, the other lyrics are matter-of-fact also, but again, they were earnest, and they were heartfelt, whereas here, they don't feel as much as in the previous Watch tracks. out, it's coming again. They're non-lifelike. Yeah. Fun yeah. fact, that's called semantic satiation, when you hear a word over and over and it loses all meaning. Oh. Semantic satiation. Oh, okay. Nice, thanks. Take that. And take now that. you Put in your pocket, know. or put in your cap, what have you. Um, <laughs> okay. I do, I do appreciate in this song... Um, because it is so straightforward and so matter of fact, there's a there's a particular uh, couplet that I like. Um, what hurts the most is that it's done, and I don't remember having fun. Um, there's just something about that particular moment in that where I'm like, oh, I get that. Like I get that on an emotional. I level. do get it through her vocals. Mm-hmm. I think her vocals help help these lyrics that I otherwise was a little bit eh, I, I felt they were a little bit lackluster but her vocals really do help it along the way such that I wasn't I wasn't noticing it every single step and that is a power but the the line you read is a reimagining of another part of a, another version of that same chorus with what hurts the most is that you're gone and it hasn't even been that long 
that just seems like okay yeah it's fresh it's new of course it's gonna hurt like Mm -hmm. you don't have to tell me this the the reimagining of it is a lot more imaginative using the same word over and over and over again Mm -hmm. but it's it's not that same level of just saying something because it comes to mind this one feels like it actually had some real thought put into it and i kind of wanted more of that because that had been heaven sent in a lot of ways that the just the imagination behind it just the the inspiration behind it feels so much more flushed out in heaven sent that here a lot of it just falls too deadpan for me i feel like we can say safely though at this point in the record after only being four tracks in is that she's not singing about anything super complicated at this point you no. know the the narrative is pretty straightforward about love yeah. and loss um and i think that when depending on how she delivers that narrative is what really invests i can say most of us at the table if not mm, all of us that's gonna make or break it yeah, yeah. but um yeah. but you know you understand that if you just took these lyrics separately how how some of these would fall a little flat like like that i talk to you all the time gotta get you out of my mind you say you care but then you act so unaware i treated you badly we ended so sadly wish i didn't care and it's just like that that nonchalance at the end of everything which i i do believe is intention but it, it, it comes from i don't know i almost wish there was more to it There's, i feel like we've almost hammered that theme out maybe earlier in this album and mm-hmm. it feels a little bit a little bit redundant to me yeah it's a it's a little overplayed, and also I think a, a detriment to this particular performer is if she's not emotionally connected to what she's singing, you can really tell. Like yep. you can you can feel the moments when she's just singing the lyric because it's the lyric versus when she's singing a lyric because she's connected with the lyric. Yep. I kind of want to send this girl to acting school and just be like, here's oh. how to emotionally connect to things even if you aren't really emotionally connected to things. Yes. Um, and I think that would really help. I think if you took this song and got someone who was maybe more emotional on it, it would have more resonance. But since she is such a flat artist if she's not actually being earnest that flatness definitely comes out yeah and i do believe it's intentional and i think the intent comes across it's just you have to go into it with that mindset Mm -hmm. you know don't expect to be slapped in the face by it so there's actually almost kind of a foreshadow here from that line into the next track uh track five so unaware still kind of in the same thing it's even worse here the 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 vocals end up being just weak overall and almost no, not almost. Childish. Very it's, childish they lost in their some, style. They lost some steam. Yeah. The first verse, it's always dark at 5 p.m., and I can't get you out of my head. I stay awake, I stay alone, and I don't even answer my phone. Alone phone! <laughs> <laughs> Make it into okay. a drinking game. The best coast drinking game, alone phone home, take a shot. You'll be wasted in no time. <laughs> but this is about 43 minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the lyrical delivery here is even so much more straightforward and very... Blah. I mean, I don't know how else to, 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 to define it. It just it feels no, very is, much like this is a chronic of telling, not showing in a song. Because where this... she's just what is what is love, what is life. Instead of inst- instead of showing us using the, the skills of 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 poetry, it's just asking the question and then not answering it. What is the meaning of it all? Do, Use, I, even do I even care? Or is if it I'm just so, that I'm so un- yeah. yeah. And it's it's this is just utter fluff. The, this, this song is just fluff, and I can't 
It's so, uh, it's fluff. I don't. The key <laughs> problem is the music isn't here to save it. Yeah. That's my thing. I, oh, I think boy. I think in many ways the lyrics are, are almost on the same level perhaps as the previous song, but mm -hmm. I'm not as able to ignore it as I was. Well, it's all about the four step. The one, two, Everything three, is, is very four. rigid one, here. One, two, three, four. Everything is in sync with one another. It's steady. It's as steady as a drum. And it is just the drum. Mm. That's the, like, the entire focal point here, but none of the instruments are doing any flair, any fluff on top of it, anything on top of it. Mm. They're just staying with the drum. This is definitely Maybe it's the... like, she's in a, it's in a vacuum because she's in a vacuum because she's unaware and she doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, she's like in an emotional deep. vacuum, man. Get out of there, too deep. Yeah. Don't no. go that deep, come this back. Is, this is definitely like the term paper you didn't want to write, but you wrote it anyway. That's how this, <laughs> this song feels that way to me, where it's not saying anything, but it's using words to seem like it's saying something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it, it seems very filler in that regard. Yeah, it's like, definitely a filler. I, I just, I can't with this song. Yeah. It's so simple and, and fillery. And then we have the weird, well, even different fillery of I'll never understand you, never understand you, never understand you now. Four times. I'm getting a little tired at these repetitious outros. It's mm -hmm. starting to bother she me. She has a lot of repetition in the album. It's not. It, it didn't start to bother me now. It, I think my main issue with this track was just there was nothing I could latch onto. There was no singular element and nothing compelling no, about it. No, there was it. nothing charming in this song that you could be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That was the the sound I make when I connect something charming. Oh, blah, blah, blah. oh, 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 All right, I'm going to wait for that on later tracks. Okay. <laughs> Track six, when will I change? Ooh. When? These words. Ugh. I mean, I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm, not, I'm not necessarily critical of that. That was more of a... I, no, I was still thinking yeah. about the previous track, when will I change, and I'm like, oh, hopefully soon, because <laughs> that last you. song when will didn't. I? It's like it's speaking of the album. Well, yeah. the weight of the world, hold on, crashes down on my shoulders. I'm a big girl now, but I don't feel much older. Okay, this is a new theme. At There's least. metaphors. There's metaphors. Yes, yes, it's definitely okay. like... Yay, metaphors. Yeah. I want her to run with it. And in some well, ways, she does. the weight of the world crashes down on our shoulders is not like the most inventive metaphor of, yeah, of all. Yeah, but at least I like it's a fact. metaphor instead of I sit at home and watch TV on my phone at home. But this is an aware. <laughs> this is an awareness track following all of the unaware tracks. All of the tracks where she addressed being unaware and not mm -hmm. knowing what the problem is, there is a kind of honing in on it at yeah. this point where she says, the problem is I don't feel old enough. I don't feel mature enough necessarily to address a lot of these things. It's almost like, okay, maybe people would cite this as kind of looking a little bit too deeply into this album, but I believe there's a meta, a meta awareness that is present throughout in every single track discussing how she doesn't know what the problem is, and she's trying to come to terms with it in each and every track. You, you, I, uh, I think I mentioned that there was uh, something indicative of her writing style that made it uh, come across as like uh, chronically sad. Oh yeah, she's chronically got, she's sad got human the chronist, the chronic I'm sad artist mentality. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and even in even in one of the lyrics, she's it says, and I have no reason to be sad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely that a lot of artists do become artists because they do have a. An emotional depth, a, a sadness that they don't right. have a fix on, and it's and it's sort of that that bringing it forward and like you can you can tell. Like, and there again, are artists who can tap that immediately into something tangible that mm -hmm. everyone will all of a sudden know. Like yes, oh, I can yes, I can relate that. to that. Perfect. Yeah. But then I feel like hers is so hard to pinpoint that that sort of becomes the thing she's addressing, which is a little weird when you think about it. But it's not no less important, no less imperative to her life. Mm -hmm. Well. Let's talk about this from the music side, and that 
drum line that's here, that drum rhythm is nearly the same as the previous track. But the guitar work that gets thrown around, there's actual color in the guitar work mm-hmm. here that was so missing from the previous track. The bass is doing a bit more. It's brought back like the 80s pop thing here, but it's like mixed in with a lot of other stuff from like, yeah, 90s, 2000s. It feels like it could kind of be anywhere within the last 30 years. Um, but that's okay. I feel like with that comes a lot of earnesty. There comes a lot of, uh, I don't know, she's in touch at least with the emotion she wants to convey. And the lyrics here are very on point. I especially liked even down to the final refrain, visions of hope, visions of love. Like she just gets these little snapshots in her head of kind of what she wants in life. And it, at least she's trying to get closer and closer to them. Mm-hmm. And then there is that really, really energized outro. This is not a, just a keep doing the same thing. There's actual an invigoration of the song. There's more work in the guitar. There's more work in the bass. There's more work in the drums. Everything starts getting heavy. Yes. A heaviness that hasn't been in this album for a couple tracks now. Yeah, it's a market improvement from the track before. I definitely mm-hmm. I definitely think that these two are the opposite ends of the coin of what she can create. Oh, it's Whereas a total so unaware yeah. is that that simplistic end, just like it's simple, it's done, guitar's easy, and then the the very earnest end of what she can do as an artist. Uh, this one is definitely more on the earnest end, where you can tell she's emotionally connected to this song, yeah, and it makes all of the difference in the world. I feel like, you know, that earnest kind of conveys also the struggle she's feeling here, you know, with mm-hmm. when I change. You really kind of feel it in her voice, yeah, and instrumentally, like. The song is not doing terribly different things from what we'd heard before, but I do like towards the end that the there is another guitar solo and it's kind of blended, but it kind of fits the structure of the song. At first, it kind of yeah. didn't really like it, but There's... John points out you can hear it and focus on it if you want, but it also does fit the rest of the instrumentation, which I think is actually really nice. I think it really kind of is a great way to round out the track. Well, I think any bit of energy coming from the unawareness, <laughs> you know, is going to be somewhat of a, a saving grace. Um, so let's go on to track seven, Jealousy, because oh. I think we're starting to hone a little bit more on what she's dealing with here. Yes. Um, There's a pace change in here that is extremely refreshing. It's yes. somber, but it's not slow. Like, there's a somber feel, but it's not just kind of dragging or judging. It still moves. Mm-hmm. It's I great really to get like away. I this song. Yeah, I love this song. It's great to get away from a lot of the drum work in yeah. the previous few tracks to get something that's a little bit of a different tempo. This was my favorite song so far of this general style that we've had since track one. And we will have a couple things that throw us later on, but of this this block where we kind of say, like, yeah, right, it's in the same genre, it's, in, it's pulling the same tricks, I think this was the absolute closest to it. And it was for a lot of reasons. Individual elements poked out. And I know me and John really honed in on this point, the bass. The oh, bass yeah. was at its strongest in this track. It felt, it was not just that, you know, background punk style kind of holding down the, the, the low end. It's, 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 This may be obvious, but because it's more prominent, that's the most important thing here. It alleviates some of that the the repetition and it 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 kind of sings along with her. It has its own melodic quality, especially in the pull-offs. It was really crisp. It's so paired with the vocals, and they're on such far ends of the scale from one another that it becomes her echo without doing that doubling effect that I was kind of not having in the in the early part of the album. Take that, and I wanted more. <laughs> so we got a little bit more in the first half of the chorus, and that was really where it honed in on me. It was just perfectly meshed. When the chorus continues, from the first half to the second, where she starts singing, why don't you like me, why don't you like me, what's with the jealousy, 
I did not like it at first because I didn't hear the bass. And then it subtly comes in on that second repetition. I really liked that combination. It put a nice tete-a-tete uh, between the two pieces. Even though it's being a repetitive line, that doesn't change throughout the song. It works having it repeated with different coloring effects. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the things that it accompanies here. Because just as I said, the bass sounds more melodic and like it's singing along with her while she's singing. Look at the lyrics she's getting out here. We try to get along all the time, but it's hard. I look at you, you look at me. What do you see? Cue the hook. We share the same cares, the same ideas. Why don't you like me? What's with the jealousy? The, first of all, just that line, why don't you like me? That, uh, that's, a, that's just a you just bared yourself to the world right yeah. there. And yeah. that, it's that's very one of the hard most, on your sleeve. It's yeah, probably it's, one of the most, as simple as that is, it's probably one of the most tearful lines, I think, in the album. Yeah. yeah. And I oh, think... Oh, this, this song is definitely the, for me, the harbinger of, like, where this, where this band is going. Like, yeah. where they're growing to. You know, because it's still very, it's still very straightforward in the way that she's always been writing, but it's, it's, it's growing even, even with that. Just saying, why don't you like me is so much power. It also puts the early part of the album in perspective for me. I'm not saying that it saves like every single iota of it, Mm -hmm. but it does like that poking around trying to find the right thing. And then this is just like that moment where she just lets loose and she's in complete, almost panic stricken mode. Um, I'm not saying that the music necessarily reflects that, but it's more of a, it's more of a pro found sadness as opposed to the ambiguous sadness that has led up to this point. Mm-hmm. But there is one little piece that sticks in my craw and that is the words girls will be girls and boys will be boys. It's just a nothing line. It doesn't mean anything. It's- but well, here's it, the thing. Uh, here's the it's thing. It's just the way it is. I don't want to hit you. I don't want to judge you. So I'll try. So I'll just try to know you before I decide it's just not fair. What's with the jealousy? Yeah, it's, in context, I guess it can't. It be doesn't really right. do anything for the rest of that verse. That verse is or, is strong without that line. That yeah. line doesn't need to be there. I and mean, that's why it sticks in my craw. No, that's fair. I mean, I, I like though overall getting back to the positives of this track. The kind of being doused in reverb the way it is. You know, it's not everywhere, but elements have it. Mm-hmm. So not da- doused, more a smattering of reverb. Kind Colored. of it, Colored. It, it adds. It adds that kind of somber darkness. It, it really kind of builds the emotional character through the instruments. You know, I mean, there's tambourine work in this, and that even has reverb, and that's not really something you hear a lot. If you're was, putting reverb on an instrument, tambourine's usually not the first thing you think of. Probably not. But it was pretty cool the way it, it just like it, it yeah. made it. It produced an very interesting sound. I'm not the, used the, to hearing the mixing entered in here a little bit. And another thing I want to say about verse three, even despite that line, um, I, I liked the fact this kind of prolonged the emotion. You feel as if this is something that you're. she's actually sitting in for like many hours kind of mulling over this. And it did not make this track feel long. I, no. I, think it, I think it actually enhanced it. I almost didn't think verse 3 necessarily needed to be here because most of these tracks have been so concise. It, it probably could have just, you know, they could have cut it off right there, but it, it, it really helped it in, you know, considering the fact that it's, it's, she, it's a mulling state. Of course you're going to keep going. They could have had a verse 4 and 5. I wouldn't have complained. <laughs> mm-hmm. From here we go to California Nights. The oh. title track. Okay. Yes. Just just up until this point, we've had seven tracks that have a lot of similarities and not many differences. If you're going to have a title track, this is the way to do it. Yeah. Yes. It does stand out. And I mean, from the minute it starts, it's yes, something it's different. A, it's a complete departure. We get this kind of ethereal intro with it's, an echoey, distant vocal. So it's trippy. psychedelic. It really does, it does go back it. to 1970 yeah. psychedelic rock. I mean, um, it's not heavy rock. It feels more modern to me, more in the 
post vibe, but it it, there's influences, influences in all of here. Yeah, but it almost it came across to me like you're floating over like a misty waterfall or something. Sure. There's that phasing effect in the background, and then you combine that with the guitar riffs, which is very firm and very decisive. It doesn't feel as throwaway, and I hate to say that about a lot of the guitar riffs in this album, but they're not things I've really noticed. You know, they're not things that have leapt out to me like, yes, I'm just gonna play that guitar riff in my head <laughs> over and over for the rest of the day. This one really had that decisive quality to it. Probably the most, I think, decisive sound yet on this album. And then her vocals, finally, are soaring along with it. This is where her vocals took on a more modern alt-rock sound and mm -hmm. less kind of that implacable Paul Banks-ish but female kind of quality mm -hmm. that I, I, you know, was not, I guess, the most unique thing to me in the world, but it was the most unique thing on the album thus far. This is what I want to hear, though. This is where, you know, they take on new life. And here we get some very simple but great poetry in the words. I stay high all the time just to get by. I climb into the sky and my eyes, they cry. Ugh. California nights make me feel so happy I could die, but I try to stay alive. It's just, it's, it's, so, it's so much more poetic than all the lyrics had been before because, and it's not because they're more complicated, it's no. just what she's saying. First of all, it's so much more impactful emotionally, like you can feel it, like I feel my throat well up when, when John read those lines, like it's just very powerful, and on top of that, adding this instrumentation that's kind of taking it in just such a completely different direction is, is incredible. Yeah. But it still remains grounded. That line, California Nights, is sort of like, the end because right when the word make me feel right when that phrase starts everything comes in the guitar comes yeah, in the drums come in it was you. it was a near perfect transition really into the rest of the instrumentation yeah we went back and listened to it again we liked it so much <laughs> we had to pause and go back because i said yeah. so because you have to pause and hear that and then go back and listen to it again mm -hmm. it was a great just immediate build and that's hard to do yeah and the thing is, once it starts that build, it continues to do so. It doesn't. It doesn't shy away from that. Oh, I you love know, it's, this. It's like a constant. Like it, it's 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 got a very like burlesque quality where it's like you peel something and there's something new, and then you peel oh, okay. the next thing, and it just keeps going forward. Gotcha. Um, and I just really, really love this. It's it's a uh, it's definitely a song that you'd expect to see on an album that they release in the next few years. It's definitely where they're going, and this song, uh, more so than any of the other songs, is the song I want the most on vinyl. Ooh, Ooh I like that, that actually. Would be nice. This pacing that they set up in this song is, the only way I could descri describe it is they're, they're in a hurry not to go anywhere, and I love that. Oh, yes. Because they even return to the introduction, pared-down version of it a few times, and as they bring it back, it's like... Uh, it's a reminder of sort of the origin of this song, but it's a different context as we see it. Yeah, it, for we, me, it's all in the t in the tonal, even like emotional changes in each and every uh, verse, chorus, return. It almost feels like they're going through modulations. I'm not even sure that's true. I think it just goes back to the same chords, but there's something subtle that they're doing, something very subtle that makes makes this almost feel as if they're going from a very open sound suddenly into something very passionate on the first chorus, uh, and then back to something very peaceful and open, and then into something joyful with the second chorus, and then finally back to something hopeful again. It's a really weird, like, like roller coaster of, of, of subtle emotional shifts over the course of this track, and I'm not, I, I believe this has to do with, the, with those chord changes. It's also the uh, emphasis the instruments do to the vocal work. There's subtleties there that, as the vocalist is, is, is really just drawing out these words so beautifully, 
the instruments are supporting it in different ways in different verses, and it gives it a different context without changing the overall feel. I even like uh, later on in the song, we get a guitar solo that I describe it as a feel-good guitar solo. I guess what I mean by that is it's not overly complicated or intricate, but it's not boring or mundane either. It's just kind of, it's someone playing, almost as if it was someone kind of lost in thought, noodling on a guitar, just playing solo. It's a very short-picking style, mm -hmm. like uh, very staccato. And and I think that adds, just continues to wrap up in the instrumentation. It's not a guitar solo that pops out in the sense that it's trying to stand out from the crowd. It very much fits the vibe of the whole song, but still kind of feels very contemplative. And mm -hmm. I think it fits the structure really well. Mm -hmm. This is as close to perfection as this album is going to get. It's always good to have a solid uh, title track. We've had a lot of disappointing title tracks, you know, in recent weeks, but this, this lives up. Let's talk about track nine, Fading Fast. So yeah, this song is very much a feel-good song. It's got clapping, it's bouncy, you know, it, it just embodies that kind of mm -hmm. on a beach, kind of having a blast. It's back to the sway. It's, yeah. it's a strange transition because it's so carefree all of a sudden yeah. after that range of emotions. Yeah, but it, the lyrics, they're not really carefree and lyrically. Oh no, they're always lying. Yeah. She's always lying through her teeth. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's definitely a, a very quick pace shift and I think it's because anything else after California Nights would suffer and this one because it is so different doesn't suffer from the well this isn't California Nights this one's like True. no it's not California Nights it's something else and we're just well, gonna move and, on quick yeah but in many ways it's, it's not something else it returns very much to the style of the early part of the album but it is even more uplifting than that mm. it the only thing that's really different about it is that this is the first one that really reaches back in time. I could not stop comparing this to, like, if you just focus on the melody alone, it almost sounds like a Mamas and the Papas melody, but that's provided you completely strip away the drum-bass combo, which and is very a indicative there. of the 2000s. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a little more complexity yeah. in the drum work, and the guitar but, kept but, intruding yes. a little bit here and there and added a little bit of coloration, but I don't think it really did much more than just, you know, adding a little bit of bedazzling on top of the song itself. <laughs> but what I like about the drum work in this also is instead of just repeating, even though it had a repeating rhythm rather, the 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 drum work kind of had a waterfall feel. It kind of, you know, went along all of the drums, hit every drum, you know, to kind of give this kind of interesting structure that they hadn't had in previous songs, even though the drum as a whole was still kind of repeating. Oh yeah, and I don't mean to like create this hypothetical environment where you strip away the drums and the bass because <laughs> they're absolutely meaningless so I can make this Mamas and Papas analogy. No, yeah, it seems like a long way to go, but I'm only doing that to highlight the effect that they use on their vocals there. Because of the fact, if you picture the Mamas and the Papas, you know, it's, it's two girls, two boys singing on the Ed Sullivan stage maybe, and it has this strange, strange uh, reverb quality owing only specifically to that stage. And that, that you don't hear anywhere else, and and also through 1960s, 70s recording equipment, and this is the way it sounds if you were just to strip every other track and just listen to their vocals alone, uh, and maybe if you added more harmonies on top of that also. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a it's a unique effect, and uh, you know it shows they have a retro air. Yeah, yeah, and and I think the playfulness of the bass and the drum lends to the overall structure of the song and the bouncy feel that we're getting here. But I'm I'm kind of at odds with the lyrical work. That this love will be the death of me and you'll always be a part of me. In dreams, I see you when I cry. I wish that I could realize. I wish that I could realize. Sway, bouncy with that? See, but that's, I that's love that. I love when there's a really bouncy song. Because that's what they do. That, like, deceives you. I, I love it, it when you're when you selling like, it for me. That's yeah. the whole thing. It was, I wasn't sold on you're, it. You're you know? not, it's not like the pumped up kicks kind of <laughs> where you're like, oh, I'm going to dance to this song about school shootings. 
<laughs> oh dear. That's what that song. That's no, totally, the song yeah, is. That's but you're what like, that song is about. Or like Sun-Eyed Girl, where you're like, uh, yeah. uh, uh, oh, wait a minute. See, I love that. I love when there's there's definitely. You like, come from the the music comedy standpoint, so for you, a, that's there's just a, there's natural. A, there's, a, there's a dissonance between what the music is doing and what the lyrics are doing that you can almost like if you hear it in the background, you're like, oh, well, this song is great. But when you're re- like, where there's, cognitive dissonance. Yeah, yeah, there's like layers. I love it. I I, I, I have enjoy to admit, that too. I like this. I wasn't sold on it. I enjoy that a lot, but yeah, there, I wasn't sold. Yeah, well, I mean, there That's are definitely the, other songs that, that do this better. But for for a band like Best Coast to do this, th- I think this is the best instance of here's what the music is doing, but wait, guys, here's what the... it As, as we've... I don't think we've mentioned it before, but her, her way of writing is very much like, there's a chair, and I will sit in it. And then this this particular track goes. There's a chair. I will sit in it. But oh oh, here's the here's an ottoman. I'm gonna feed up. Like she no, that's switches a good... it up. Like she definitely takes what her formula is to to the next level. That's a good comparison. Because all a, things it's considered, a track for all, real. All things considered, we've been making this observation since track one at the fact that there's been this little disparity between the 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 lyrical content and the, the feel, the overall feel of the mm-hmm. music. Um, but this one does kind of like smack you in the face with it. And I think it's just I, I think it's appropriate maybe just for the fact that especially following the uh, the, the previous track, this is more indicative of delusion at this point so of course it's going to be more overly exaggerated and have all the frills that an ottoman would and it moves fast you don't have time to really settle on it too long because you're already on to the next song yeah it's quick it's dirty it's over two minutes 11 seconds oh it's very it's and it's definitely very much again this is a very best coast song because a lot of their earlier works are just quick and dirty from here we go to track 10 run through my head and this one starts with kind of a staticky it's a feedback that's yeah feedback yeah i love that that was great it blends really well into the rock guitar like i thought that was very interesting that they use this kind of staticky reverb sound and then it goes right into the guitar but it goes away why did it go away she also does phone alone in this one guys (laughs) in the first two lines first two lines you only call me when you're all alone. I don't know why I pick up the phone. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, phone alone. Wait, wait. I oh, guess you're gonna... I guess you're gone now. Far away from home. <gasps> I'm just stuck here, confused and alone. Yes, phone home alone. Home alone was there too. Home but then in the phone. next line it goes, Lone, confused and alone. Low, oh, own. <laughs> I just... What? Come I want, on. I want to make... I want to go into her brain and just erase those three words from her from her existence. So she will never be able to call anyone or <laughs> go to her house well, or n- understand what it is to be a singular person. But but it would have been a really great screw focus. her up, you mean. Yeah, really it could have been a great other. focus of the album if you really made that, that duality, phone alone, and the and juxtaposition home. of that itself the actual core of the album but i'm not getting that i'm just, just getting it's a rhyme she likes yeah it's a it's a rhyme she and the thing is she she consistently does that rhyme structure throughout her discography that's why it upsets me so much because it's it's not this album exclusive it's throughout everything she writes she's I, like oh i have this phone and i'm by myself <laughs> But I think one of the reasons that this this track comes across as even more comical, especially considering the, the the lyrics there, is that like her her vocal delivery is probably at its most flat at this point. 
Like, mm. given the majority of this album, I'm thrown right back to my earliest comments and that whole, like, Paul Banks comparison. But I'm just not sure it's being pulled off to the same degree in this particular track. Like, to me, this really just sounds flat, and I'm having a hard time, I think, pulling up the depths of emotion here. And I'm also able to hone in on little, you know, well, there that, that semantic satiation again, and the fact that phone alone, I've heard that before, and you're starting to really snoop here because you're not whisked away by any soaring melody, let's say. Well, I think also a big problem here is the instrumentation isn't doing anything super interesting either. I mean, the drum, the drums are almost identical to a previous song, if not identical. They're uh, two, or, two or three previous songs. Right. Yeah. They're definitely, maybe not the same pace, but the actual rhythm is the same, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the drum hits are the dun, same. Done. 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 Which yeah. we did earlier that you got backwards. I did get backwards. Actually, I think it's done, 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 done. Like the two and. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so yeah. too. And it just it just makes the sound like a previous song that we've already heard. That plus the flat delivery, which we've also gotten before, mm-hmm. just makes the song not very memorable. Yeah, there's a thing called economy of expression uh, <laughs> that I learned in creative writing that if you can say it in as few words as possible then you can say it. But she suffers from, throughout this album, of saying the same things with the same beats to the point where I'm like, well, we could have cut this song. This song could have been cut from the album entirely. <laughs> yeah. well, like, this and so unaware, I'm just like, meh, meh, Go away. If you start talking about just not being able to end, the outro is another one of those exceedingly yes. long outros. Yeah, it, this song definitely, the previous track was shortened to the point, which mm-hmm. made it engaging. This had the ac- exact opposite problem, which Steve had pointed out when we were listening, that it stays too long and it doesn't know when to leave. It, it, it doesn't know when to wrap up. I'm getting to the point where I, I feel like this theme, which I'm, I'm not criticizing the theme, but I'm definitely feeling like the theme did not warrant this many tracks. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like there are actually as many facets to this theme as maybe she feels there are. Like, I, I don't feel know. Like Again, I feel some of these maybe tracks, this they... is a quota thing. Yeah. You know, a studio quota. They wanted this many tracks on this album. Well, we get another one in the next track, Sleep Won't Ever Come, where we get another feedbacky introduction. And immediately my mind goes, okay, this won't last. It almost does. It almost lasts. There's a little bit of a pervasiveness as it goes through, and then it just drops out again. I'm tired of these teases at this point. I'm tired of, oh, here's an interesting idea that might liven it up, and then don't deliver. Mm-hmm. It's been delivered once with California Nights. Here, it's another song. I she feel- actually feels tired in this track, I noticed. Uh, her voice has really dropped down to like probably its lowest register, I feel, maybe across the board, across this entire album, but she's got those backup singers in the background, and she's saying, I close my eyes at the end of the day, nothing seems to be going my way, I've tried it all, I've tried it all, but my brain just wants to fall asleep. I don't even really need a, l- a rhyme there, he just, <laughs> just no, I want to fall asleep, that's it, I'm done, I'm out. Um, it, trying to find some kind of peace of mind at the end of this uh, abysmal ro- emotional roller coaster that's been this album. Well, I mean, I mean, considering what she's going through in this album and and the the emotions that she's trying to convey from song to song, I feel like this one just the reason it's slowed down and it's kind of got this nighttime sleepy feel is because maybe it's you're running out of energy, especially if you're kind of bad. We talk about emotional records in the past that deal with love and loss and they kind of go through an arc and they find you know, they have the loss and they find themselves and then they crash and then they they go through it. Whereas here it's kind of a lot of just going through the motions again or falling to the same problems without kind of learning or changing, you know, except in maybe minor moments. But we keep coming back to the same thing. Well, one of those minor moments is that it gets a little bit brighter. Some tonal work gets gone, put in there that's, that 
I think he's trying a little too hard to say sleep in this case. It's the the with the deadpan vocals. It's just oh, there's a mobile above her head trying to soothe her off into dreamland, and it's a little heavy-handed. It just, I did like the overall melody though. Here, when it did come down to the hook, I liked that. That was that well, was, the bass nice. did a lot to support that. That was mm, okay. a, a really interesting part of this song. That didn't really have interesting parts for me. <laughs> yeah, these are just disparate observations at this point. I mean, it's, um, it's tough with a song like this because the instrumentation, I mean, is still kind of similar to what we've heard. Even though it's slowed down, it still fits a similar structure to the other stuff we've seen. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate lyrically in this song, though, when she does do I've tried it all, my brain just wants to fall, and then asleep, asleep is almost an entity of its of itself. You know, it's it doesn't follow that necessarily couplet, couplet, couplet that she's been writing in previous mm-hmm. and the moment that it goes all fall asleep yeah. is is something interesting and different and i have to say like i want if i could if i could reach out i would be like i encourage you to do more of that lyrically yeah. switch it up it doesn't have to be alone phone way hey <laughs> Eyes realize. All this is the why time. we make disparate observations because there's yeah. something in every moment of the album, even as much as you you're feeling a kind of dismissiveness given the the, the general tone. But there's always things in the in the specifics. I think yeah. that the fact that the tone of this song is also so matter of fact, which mm. she gets there kind of with other songs, is what kind of is the biggest turn for me. I just she, yeah. it's another day in the life, but not as even simplistic yeah. as day in the and life. I just I really appreciate the the. Uh, maturation of her of her rhyme structure when she when she uses mood and cruel but uses her the elongation and puts the emphasis on the oohs in those mm-hmm. and less so much on the it's less spoken word here yeah. and i appreciate that i had one more comment about this track but i think i'll save it for the for the wrap up first let's go for the to the final track uh, track 12 wasted time wasted time the okay. electronic intro in this song which i know john wants to talk about too was so good and different it just kind of oh i'm awake i'm paying attention again what do we have here california nights is back that was great essentially yeah. yeah finally that inspiration we got earlier a little bit different pacing which was an issue that i kind of had with what could follow up california nights not the song itself but what else could be infused into it here it's a bit of a different feel but still feels like it's in that album that's coming along in three years yes here though there's something that's just great it's a case about of it. experimentation with mixing and um, the voices oh mm-hmm. those voice uh, vocal experimentations really show up big here mixing and matching the way phrases end changing the actual pacing of your backups and really just screwing around with all that over a nice beautiful chimey kind of electronica a guitar that's got a really great reverb to counterpoint it and the beats the the actual percussion really does hit awesome here Another thing that I really, really appreciate about this particular track is as as a seasoned listener to this band, it almost promotes a nostalgia for some of their earlier works. I feel like this is very similar to the song Our Deal, which is very deep and very distant. And distant. Like <laughs> I like the way you said it, too. I was thinking of this. Like, uh, distant. It, 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 it makes me feel good about the band's future because suddenly it's, it's able to marry 
the things that I liked about this band when I first became a fan with the way that it's going to go in the future. Absolutely. It, it definitely, it it's marrying those two concepts in a way that I really, really like. And it just, it's a it's a good ending to an and album. And you feel that based on your knowledge of their previous work, you feel that primarily in Wasted Time and California Nights? Yes. Yeah. I feel like California Nights definitely lends itself more to absolutely here's the future, while Wasted Time sort of is like, here's our past, here's where we're going. And like being able to bring that all together. Well, apart from all the other perks that both of these tracks have, uh, it, it's really a case of, of mixing art, I think. Uh, even if even if that just boils down to like a couple of simple tools, like having the right amount of reverb on the right tracks, I do feel that it's, it's something maybe even just that simple that really is what separates these two tracks from the rest of the pack. It's something that makes them feel bigger and larger than this album, which otherwise is very personal and very grounded. It's, it's every step of the way, it's just really a, a girl telling the people her troubles, you know? But then sure. all of a sudden here, it's, it, it takes on a more profound value. You start thinking about life itself. And it's interesting what the style of music that she uses with this track, uh, kind of a, a southern gothic feel, which is something we, we it pops up a lot. I think we get this a lot because it makes something feel kind of like a western, and when you make something feel like a western, it, it adds a certain drama, I think, to the track that it otherwise wouldn't have even if it's just that little cinematic element well that's enough i feel like this track is definitely more cinematic than previous tracks with the exclusion of maybe california nights which also is i just like the kind of setting and a very strong setting you get from this whereas in previous tracks you know you get the setting of the beach or summer fun but not not this kind of dark kind of ethereal place like california nights also went to and it is an ending track. This is a finality yeah. track. Yes. There's an instru uh, an instrumental in there that kind of settles in a very beautiful place, and it just settles. That was so interesting about it. It it doesn't try to build great heights or anything like that. It fits what the song wants, and for it to really just so perfectly pigeonhole into that spot, I kind of wanted the album that this song creates that this song sort of summarizes. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, yeah, and then ultimately, the last thing I like about it is, is the its ability to prolong itself. The fact that every every successive chorus is another one of those choruses that I, I can't wait for each and every time it comes. It doesn't feel its length, and I, I, I wish it to be longer in many ways. It's just another case of satiation, I think, through and through. So now let's go into the wrap-up. All right. So the interesting thing with this album is I, I do realize, and I think we're all very conscious of the fact that we've essentially lauded two tracks. That is a problem, and yes, it will factor in heavily. That doesn't mean that the rest of the tracks had nothing. They all had something, and I do want to like stay pretty close to this, this theme that I do believe she's been building about essentially not quite knowing what the problem is and then kind of getting closer to it as, she, as the album progresses, because... It, it takes time for people to realize things. It's just to think of the length of time that most of us live in denial. And I feel like there's a lot of denial that just encompasses the earlier stretch of this album, which is why she made that artistic choice to have the disparity of tracks that sound really, really happy-go-lucky and titles that say feeling okay, and then the lyrics gradually start to point to all the things that are wrong and the fact that uh, love can be essentially loveless, but you're just in it and you're in it, and then you start wondering about all the little little problems that go into it. Why don't I feel this way? Should I feel this way? Should you feel this way? I don't know. So, it, it just, where it makes me wonder almost where these two other tracks fit in uh, from a musical standpoint. I'm really glad for them because they, they, they're they a breath of fresh air. They, they, they liven 
I won't say liven the mood, but they make me feel something that is much more impactful than the rest of this album. Um, I guess the, the the problem is that as much as I want to like give it, it the credit for that interesting theme that she's built, there is there is some fundamental flaw in perhaps discussing generalities. And I think this is what I started to notice, especially by the end, although I'd been subconsciously noticing the whole time, is that in, in Sleep Won't Ever Come, I realize that when you're at the end of the day, and the fact that she's, I've tried it all, I've tried it all, but my brain just wants to fall asleep, I blame it on the mood, I blame it on the mood, uh, I blame it on the world, because it can be so cruel. I, I don't sense the specific thing. Now, we've sensed at earlier moments in this album what the specific thing kind of is, and of course it's the love situation, but she's still speaking in generalities. I know that goes to what she's probably trying to get at, but every single track, and certainly by the second to last, I think it kind of wears on you a little bit. You feel like you're just kind of in a daze. Um, I don't think it was the most helpful thing uh, from a thematic standpoint. It needed more help from the music. I don't think it was quite enough to simply juxtapose it. Uh, with something a little more lively. I think that was the, the, the big problem at this album. I'm completely uh, with Rachel. I want more of it in these two other songs. I think those are the key things. Um, I think that that's where their musical strengths lie. So uh, to me, this is this is sitting just a, a slight bit below average. I think this is in a, a 2.75. I wanted this story, just like Steve put it, but there is one benefit to this album that we really haven't harped on, and that's the fact that the whole thing is an earworm. It really is. It's built to be that in so many different ways. Yeah, there's a lot of blending of the music itself, but I do distinctly remember the music of this album after listening to it. I'm talking on my first listen. I, I Honestly, I wanted to hate the album, but I was thinking of it six hours later when it was usually these sort of... Of, of tracks would just be missing from my mind. And I gotta give it a little bit of a benefit of that. But there's no personal touch, as Steve talked about. It's too general of, here's a sad album for when you're sad, or trying to put on a facade of being happy when you're sad, or something like that. I just wanted details. Which is weird because California Nights and Wasted Time are void of details themselves, but they are supposed to be that sort of dreamscapey kind of an idea as opposed to the much firmer more pop punkish indie oriented of the rest of the album i'll only interrupt you to say that i think if she included details that would have ruined it that is not what i want in this particular case i want musical conveyance of that theme of not quite knowing what it is that gets you that's the core theme you change that you, you lose the, the whole emotional center of this album um, I, I think it's the musical conveyance is the most important thing. That's that's where I'll just disagree with you on that one point. I know my my time is over. <laughs> okay, well I'm going from the other angle. <laughs> all right, all right, you're addressing it. Um, because at the end of the day, I feel like this would have been an album, for the most part, written by so many other artists. Uh, I think that's where my biggest issue is. But for that, it's it kind of starts at a three for me. And with the two extra tracks, I will be bumping it up to a three two five. Okay. So for me, I feel like this this has something in common with last week's record we did, Nothing More by Nothing, nothing More. more. Um, in the fact that I feel like if I had heard this album when I was in high school, 
I probably would have mindlessly just gotten behind it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would not have really given it a second thought. I would have thought, wow, those two tracks are far out, man. Even though I wasn't really a surfer or a stoner then. Be that as it may. I think that, you know, because obviously we here look at it a lot more analytically, I was able to find the holes in it. But at its core, at its base level, it's enjoyable. It's fun. It makes you think a little bit. There's a little bit of emotion. I always come from a place where if I'm not emotionally invested in the entire album, I take points off. But I feel that's also not fair to a, a album that's just fun and good. So I'm I'm sort of in the same place as John. I don't think I'm going to elaborate as much because you guys hit a lot of really good points other than to say that I think it's around average territory. I won't bump it up as high as John just because I feel like it's a three. They're a good band. They're not great. They're not amazing. They're a good band that made a solid album that I like. Um, you know, it's just a lot of what I heard here. I've heard other places because they pull from a lot of places. But I will definitely come back to track 8 and track 12 because they're so unique. And I agree with, I think, everyone at the table in saying the album that those are a precursor to is the album I want to hear. This next album, if it, it lines up with those two tracks, is definitely the album I want to hear. Not to be the jerk, but, I'm, but since I'm the one on the low end, I just feel the need to uh, step forth the devil's advocate points, and that is the fact that, that the difference between this and last week's album is we don't get quite the same like virtuosic moments as like we did oh, in the yeah. drums or anything. Everything is just very needs what it needs to be. But if, if that's inherent in the same oh, rating, the, then that's... The comparison cool. ended at I would have listened to it in high school. I'm not okay, comparing them right. otherwise. I just wanted to bring up the point that my more naive listening styles and I was kind of more accepting of a lot more things back then where I'm a lot more critical now, obviously. And I think that this album, even with my critical eye, still lands in an average place because... It just, it's its a good album that I enjoy. It's just, you know, I, I, I like it, you know, at, at its core, at its simplest point, I like it. And so it gets a three from me. Okay, I'm done being a jerk. And Rachel gets the true last word. Uh, as a listener who has gone through all of the albums that this band has produced, um, and it was mentioned before, not on the podcast, but I, I want to take a moment and mention it. Uh, this band has gone through, what, ten? Different, ten, I ten, counted. Ten different studios for four albums. They have four albums out now. Ten different studios. And I just want that recognized that maybe that's a lot of the reason that there's many growing pains in, in this particular album. You can see where this band will shine if they continue to, 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 to feed what is working and sort of trim the fat of what's not um but overall it's a it's a formulaic album from a formulaic band and i don't mean that in a disparaging way like that sounds but i think the formula works for its listeners it's it's the beach boys for hipsters in garages <laughs> you know that's a good way to put it i like uh, that and I don't. That covers it, the interval comparison yeah. and also the uh, the, the Daryl uh, Ohio I, comparison. And there's there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but as as someone who likes to watch artists uh, grow and change, I feel a lot of hope when I when I look at California Nights from the tracks, wasted time in California Nights. I just see a. a, a an ability there and I want that to be cultured and I want that to be to be tended to um nurtured if you will nurtured thank you <laughs> um and it definitely 
for for me as as a fan of this band, I I want some of the 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 lesser tracks removed. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna just like cliff notes this album, definitely listen to Heaven Sent, listen to Jealousy, California Nights, Fading Fast and Wasted Time. I think those are the tracks that you need to take from it. Sounds like, like, sounds like an EP to me. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, that's an EP, and the studio may have wanted an LP, and so maybe some of these tracks that were very loved and very emotionally connected to had to sort of also make room for the tracks that she just had to crank out. And uh, I, I've been listening to this album a bunch leading up to this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it like a three. <laughs> All right. You, you know, just because, just because. Don't put yourself too much behind it. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe three and a half. I, it's, it's not perfect, and I definitely am going to listen to some of the tracks more than the other tracks. Like it's, it's definitely got songs on it that I'd put on a mix that <laughs> I'd listen to consistently. You know. Because I'm, I'm definitely a compilations kind of person, mm-hmm. um, and all of my. My compilations are called These Songs, though, guys. <laughs> these songs, though. And I think that I these like that. songs, though, tracks on this promote a, a positive force for this band. Sure. So uh, I give it a three because it's definitely a Growing Pains album where they're trying to break away from their formula in ways, but definitely are very popular because of the formula. So... All right. In the land of logistics. Awesome. I get it. There you have it. All right. It took a while. We got it. Yeah. Um, that was very, I mean, I, and I think we kind of are all in the same place. Little variants, but we're kind of really all in the same place with yeah. how we feel about am the I, band. Am yeah. I the most accepting of pop now? It sounds like it. I thought I was the, the angry old man who doesn't like anything these kids are listening Technically, to. Technically, Steve is the angry old man. Cause no, yeah. Steve is the always guy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, all right, before we wrap up the show, Steve, do you have a spam mail, since we don't really have fan mail lately? I do. A person necessarily assists to make critically articles I might state. This is the first time I frequented your webpage, and up to now? Question mark. I surprised with the research you've made to create this actual submit extraordinary. Magnificent activity. That's a bad Google Translate right there. Yeah, that was by Canada Goose. Oh, Canada Goose is writing this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I understand. They found out that I quit drinking, so now they want to kind of uh, sell me that booze. That's yeah. so sad. Yeah, I feel better than I've ever felt, so not really. Isn't yeah, it usually like Canada Goose feel... coats, though? You sure they're not referring to coats? Oh, oh maybe. Oh, you're drying out? I'm drying out. All right. Yeah. It helps my stomach. But I like whiskey. whiskey, but I like not being in the bathroom all the time more. I know, TMI audience, I apologize. Um, no, you don't. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll mention our pick for next week. Uh, I will have Rachel say our sign-off. But first, of course, I want to thank Rachel for coming back under Aww, the name Rachel. Thanks of for course, she me. was here with Mark Robert Turner as Charles Stunning, one half of Afterbirth Monkey in episode... Uh, 95. 95. And, um, and so we're happy to have you back. It's been a pleasure it's having you on. Back. And uh, we will have you again in the new year. Uh, yeah, and definitely. I like music. <laughs> that's a good reason and if I've like ever talking. heard one it's, All only, right. it's only kind of a prereq there you go that's true um, we've had people who only sort of like music as guests so you know but do they like Nelson they hates like the crap out of it <laughs> Nelson Lugo always here curmudgeon if there ever was one anyway um, I'm going to talk about our album for next week so it's my pick and I came up with nothing but then I found something uh, based on a name that I know 
Um, I was a big um, Soundgarden fan in the 90s. Um, I was very into grunge as it's come up on the show. Soundgarden broke up for a little while and then got back together. They are currently together and released an album, I believe, a year or two ago. But Chris Cornell, their lead singer, has released a solo record. He was, of course, also an audio slave with the remaining members of Rage Against the Machine. He's had different voices, different bands, and so he's even released other solo records. So I'm interested to hear his newest record. I'm not even sure what genre it is at this point because he's done so many different things. Um, And Chris Cornell's new album, of course, is called Higher Truth. So we'll be taking that on next week. Um, I honestly have no idea what we'll be listening to. Honestly, I never knew a lot of Soundgarden, but I, I didn't realize he was Audio Slave too. He's Audio Slave, I, I used to like, although that was like a decade ago. So they, yeah, this will be interesting. It will be interesting. Um, so it's these days. Yes. <laughs> we'll be taking that on next week. Um, again, thank you so much for joining us, Thanks, Rachel. Guys. If you would do us the pleasure of signing off the podcast with our catchphrase oh, it's a pleasure oh, you, all right i'm sorry oh the paper oh. was ripped i was, say I, was. I was i was insulting <laughs> i'm sorry i apologize music is life and life is good if you enjoyed this and other album analyses topics and guests please subscribe to the crash chords podcast on itunes where you can also rate us and review us for more media also subscribe to matt's one-on-one interview series crash chords autographs To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.